Welcome to Merkaba Chakras, where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. A Buddha is someone who's awake within the matrix and co-creating with divinity as a soul having a human experience. Each enlightened episode is dedicated to help you level up the energy field of your Merkaba. You can manifest the parallel reality that fits the best version of you. This podcast is for entertainment purposes and does not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Now, let's welcome your host, author Von Galt, and her guest. Welcome to another podcast episode of Merkaba Chakras. I'm your host, Vaughn Galtz, and today we explore our connection to consciousness with 5D shamanic breathwork instructors and founders of Venus Rising University. Today, we bring forward Star and her husband, Nicholas Wolf, who teaches courses on awakening the shaman within using these techniques. So with that, Star and Nicholas, welcome to Merkava Chakras. Thank you. We're Thank glad to be you. here. Yeah. Well, what, we're going to do something a little bit unique, everybody. First, we're going to do a little smudge work to welcome in the energies. Um, so you have the platform. Go ahead. Okay. So we're going to light some smudge, some sage. We have a candle here. Here you go. Mm. So invite everyone that's tuned in to allow the smoke to come to you from the sage, which is an healing herb, shamanic herbs. Let it come to you now. And because it's visible, but it's going into the invisible, imagine it coming to you right now. I can see it floating around your head. <laughs> and if you take a deep breath, you can even get a whiff of the sweet sage and let it purify your energy field. And let everything go out of the energy field that needs to be released right now. And we invite in all good energies. All those things that love us, all those things that support us, especially now upon our beautiful planet. We're so grateful for these medicines that we have and these really very powerful um, ceremonies, but they're very simple as well. This is something that I do every morning is just take a few minutes and a little bit longer than what we did here, but a few moments to, um, you know, you talk about different realities, right, and different dimensions to see this herb and to see it in the shell. So you have the, the fire and the water, and then you have the bone, which is the earth, and the feathers, which is the air. You have all the elements and calling in all the elements from this dimension and then watching them go into the other dimensions, watching the smoke go into the other dimension and taking with it our prayers and also releasing anything that we're ready to let go of and just doing that conscious practice each day. 
taking just a few moments to do that is a beautiful way that anyone, regardless of beliefs or thoughts, um, situation, whatever, that we can all do to just shapeshift our consciousness instantly. Well, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. Okay, so let, let's get into your work. We have a lot of really wonderful questions set up for you. But before we get into that, can you tell us your story for how you got into this work in the first place? So ladies first, star. Um, you know, it really started in my childhood with my grandmother, uh, who I say was a um, Baptist, uh, Celtic, uh, alien, <laughs> she was a mix. wild, wild grandmother, uh, who held my feet to the ground because I was a very, I was probably one of the indigo children, but a very early one that came in, and um, she really uh, took me into the mysteries as a child. I was an only child, and I spent every day with her when I was a little girl, while my young parents worked. And as soon as I would get out of school on the weekends, my parents were just a block away. So there was a, that kind of um, arrangement. Uh, later on in my hippie years, uh, lots of, let's put it this way, altered states, exploration, <laughs> and music, of course, which is one of the most powerful altered states um, mm -hmm. gifts that we have on our planet. And then running into my own addictions um, <clears throat> that came from some different troubling times in my life and turning towards exploration and then finding myself sensitive and then finding myself being addicted to several things, I came into a time of um, working myself in the field of mental health and addictions and my own recovery. Mm -hmm. And that was all before I was 29 years old. So that was all very powerful. Um, then the more, I guess you could say, even more conscious path began after I came into my own recovery mm -hmm. at 29 and in my 30s went into deep, deep discovery of um, not only about myself, but the world and the, the healing techniques around the world. Mm -hmm. I started discovering shamanism and breathwork simultaneously. Started working with an elder who was an elder grandmother from the Seneca Nation, who was a Wolf Clan grandmother, and also with, at the time, um, uh, uh, Dan Groff with holotropic breathwork and my main breathwork teacher, Jacqueline Small, mm. uh, who brought out integrated breathwork and the, and the sacred purpose of being human. So those were the really big influences that then catapulted me in my 30s full on into stepping fully on that path and stepping away from my job really as a supervisor of treatment on a, in a hospital. So... Um, and that's where I've been ever since, is I've been creating this work in the world in one form or another, which has resulted, of course, in the Venus Rising Association for Transformation and University and the Shamanic Breathwork Journey. So I'll Wonderful. Let yeah. <laughs> and I have some questions about your background as well, but um, so I'm going to hold off on that. Nicholas, please tell us your story for how you got involved into this as well. Yeah, uh, for me, it's pretty similar to Star Wolf's journey, aside from having the awesome grandmother that Star Wolf had and uh, being a decade earlier. For me, it was um, growing up more in the shadow side of life and having pain and suffering and finding my own way into addiction. And along with that addiction, having these otherworldly experiences while I was searching for something more, 
I was really on a search for a, a deeper meaning and purpose behind the pain that I was experiencing within myself. And that led me in a very miraculous way to North Carolina and to Star Wolf and Venus Rising and Shamanic Breathwork all at once. Really, it all culminated when I had turned 20. And um, I just, some, some deeper part of me knew that I wanted to uh, be a part of a world that recognized existence outside of just the physical. And um, there was that part of me that's always been a little bit on the cutting edge of knowing there's more than what we can see, feel, and touch with our senses. And uh, with the, the five senses anyway. And right. that's what led me here. And uh, when I found Isis Cove and Star Wolf and Venus Rising, um, there was a part of me, my heart just like blew open. And I knew I had found what I was looking for, even though I didn't really know much right. of anything else. <laughs> right. Well, um, yeah, that, that your heart, your heart portal kind of bursted open when you, you and you hit home, huh? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, you know, the interesting thing about both of both of you in your backgrounds for how you got into this um this work is that you both had addiction um phases in your life. And this is actually very, very common for highly sensitive people for, for some mm-hmm. reason. Uh, whether you call them indigo or crystal or starseed or in Buddhism we call these ancient souls um toku. Um many of them not all of them. I, I'm not an, an addict. I'm a normie. But it is very common that they are suspect to addiction problems. Why do you think, for in your specific case, why was that for you? Well, in the shamanic world, there is something called the wounded healer. Mm. And, and there's this archetype that in order to really be able to have deep empathy that one must have some sort of pain and suffering. It's like the, mm. the oyster or the clam that has the, the grit and the pain and the suffering that's there that's in that. Think about having a little bit of grit in your eye and how painful that is. Yeah. Think yeah. of the sensitivity of that, that um, creature in the sea that has the grit that's in so much pain and it keeps circling around that pain and until finally it encapsulizes that pain and it becomes a beautiful pearl. And that's why it's called the Pearl of Great Price. And so the same thing about the shaman. It seems to be that there are those that I believe, because I believe, you know, I I, I don't like to say believe. I I know that there's reincarnation and that it's, um, you know, I I know that it's not only the past, but it's the future. We're living simultaneous realities now that we Mm -hmm. really have more of an understanding of the dimensions. Right. But that some of us embody specifically this time to be kind of on that bodhisattva path, mm-hmm. to be on the path of planetary service. And the wound doesn't have to be a, an addiction to substances. It could be an addiction to food. It can be an addiction to sex. It can be an addiction to, to um, being down and depressed and hopeless. Anything that we get stuck in a loop with, whether it's substance or process, is an addiction itself. Or drama. It's, Drama is definitely one. Yeah. I understand that one. Ooh, really. That's a big one. I for... go there. Yeah, that yeah. Fun. That was kind of fun sometimes. But I just to complete that, the prior to awakening to the shamanic consciousness, one is mainly caught up in the addictive cycle and they can't see the way out. They right. can feel it. They know there's more. They're sensitive beings. 
and they know there's more than the mundane that's in the world. And the, the addiction feels like that, uh, quite frankly, it's the only thing that helps them stay on the planet mm. until they can find the moment where they can really reach out and grasp hold of what it is they've actually been looking for and searching for. And so first usually has to come the stopping of doing whatever and dying, letting the ego die to a certain extent mm -hmm. so that a new part of us can be born. At that moment, I call that awakening to the shaman within and shamanic right. consciousness. Yeah, that, I mean, really, really well said. And the things that, that you said that, um, that, you know, I think are, are really, really critical is everything that we do can be an addiction. It's not just drug addiction or alcohol or gambling or sex addiction. It could be anything that is on the excess that does not mm. serve you. So one of the things um, that I, I, I notice very commonly in, in my energy healing practice, uh, in my hypnosis and my sixth sense consultation practices, and I'm sure um, you guys have cases as well, is there seems to be this, and, and this is something that a lot of monks and nuns that I grew up with just are very perplexed about um, and I'd like your opinion about this is that you have people who for the most part uh, don't have bad lives they actually incarnate in fairly decent families not perfect but decent um, they incarnated into a, a fairly stable uh, life you know it's not completely dire so for the most part they um, of everything they actually have a pretty healthy, decent life, and it's drama-free. But for some reason, or they get to that state in their life, but then for some reason, they get bored. And then they start resorting to creating drama, creating discord, seeking out issues or creating issues in their family or personal lives in their work, you know, drama creation. Um, and then it just becomes this uphill battle to try to get back to that healthy resonance why as as two people who's dealt with addiction and the behaviors of addiction that lead to kind of like your dark night the show the of the the dark night um of of your life um phase why do people seek drama or create it in their life is this a way of feeling value or worth i mean can you tell me um if you've had any cases with that? Well, what I would say is um, within Venus Rising, we offer training programs and healing transformation programs for shamanic breath work. Mm -hmm. And our first level program is called SHIP, Shamanic Healing Initiatory Process. And the reason that this is our first level is in SHIP, we look at very real scenarios just like what you're talking about so mm -hmm. uh, we go through the elements in this mm -hmm. process according to the birth process and with that we look at things such as family of origin and shadow which is what i really hear you addressing in your right. question right is that we all have these inner dynamics as a human being both on a personal level and a collective level that we're playing out in this grand drama and the great lila and so some folks will come into our program and be like, you know, I thought we were coming into a shamanism program. Why are we dealing with family of origin and shadow? <laughs> and yeah. Starwolf will usually say, is there anything more shamanic than dealing with your mother on the breathwork floor? Yeah. And 
so for us, we've found that it's these deeper roots that we all carry as human beings and spiritual beings that we're working through in our lifetimes, depending on where we've come into, how we've chosen to set up the play. And that that drama is very much like you were talking about with that grit in the oyster shell. Mm -hmm. It creates the friction and it creates the pressure and the alchemical process to support us in finding and awakening that part of us that we've come here to be. Right, right. Oh, that thank you for the answer. It's such a great answer because the inner part of everyone inside is uh, a higher frequency, a higher being. And I've noticed this, and you just addressed it, that a lot of people come into their spiritual um, nature and they don't, they're they're like, I'm just here for the healing. I'm here to raise my frequency. I'm here to experience experience my multi-dimensional self in these higher energies i don't want to deal with my mommy daddy issues i don't want to deal <laughs> i don't want to deal yeah. with my daddy issues. I, I don't want to deal with That's my lot in life kid. yeah i don't want to deal with my lot in life how is this how is my issue with society and how much i i can't stand it all these different external things i don't want to deal with these elements in my personal life that has that has nothing to do with my raising my spiritual frequency and you guys are saying the same exact thing that um i know um as well through my tradition of buddhism is that no this whole reality is an is spiritual in its nature because we create through our consciousness and if we create through a consciousness if our consciousness is imbalanced we create out of that imbalance so um so you know, Nicholas, you were saying, no, the one of the very first things before we even get into the energy work and finding your inner shaman is to deal with those issues that are holding down your frequency, such as your mommy, daddy issues, such as X, Y, Z. Yeah. And those are the issues that typically are the root into the addiction problems mm-hmm. as well. So if you don't correct the root, it's just going to come back. That's right. That's right. Okay. And it's societal too, you know, mm-hmm. it's in addition to parents, you know, we have to say culture of origin, religions of origin, you know, family of origin is where you grew up, where you went to school, what your religion was, you know, what were the norms, what was acceptable, what wasn't, mm. you know, and, you know, I was reading the other day that they estimate that one in every 10 persons has chemical addiction just in the United States alone. Yeah, yeah. And I would think that right now with everything that's going on, it's that that's going to be rising to more than one in 10. So we have to really just stop uh, getting on the rat race and just stop and look in the mirror and start addressing the things that we've been, you know, putting our head in the sand about all these years. Um, You know, the other thing that you said also star that was interesting also is that, um, in your process of getting into this work, um, you learn from your teachers that to to connect to the sacred purpose of being human. Now, I want you to address this because I know in shamanism, in all traditions, I'm Laotian and Leo, Laos, we have shamanism as well. Um, but I know shamanism in many, many different cultures have the same foundational philosophies about the sacred human in that we are not um we're not this i don't don't know what you want to call but this um 
piece of meat that's not have any value. There's there's a there's a lot of perspectives that circle around about this being a slave planet, being born a human is a negative lot in life. There's other things that you could be this is like the bad ticket. You know, can you address that in terms of shamanism? I was just going to say that um, one of my main teachers, uh, Grandmother Twyla Nitsch of the Seneca Wolf Clan Nation, um, talked to, uh, and also Jacqueline Small, those were really my two main teachers as an adult, and also my grandmother as a child. All three thought that being human was very, very sacred. And, you know, talked about that. And Grandmother Twyla would say that, she said, if, if you can imagine that in all the other dimensions and all the planets and all the universes, that there's all these spirits lining up, you know, to go wherever they need to go. They feel like they've won the lottery when they come to the earth. And I'm like, really? Mm -hmm. <laughs> she said, yes, really. And mm -hmm. I said, why? And she said, because this is the place of intense duality, an intense place of light and shadow. And this is the place where human beings get to experience the worst and the best of, of themselves and of each other. This is the place where certain things are born like empathy, compassion, forgiveness, unconditional love. There would be no use for any of those highest qualities that we think are so amazing when we look at, mm -hmm. you know, Kuan Yin or the Buddha, you know, or Christ. You know, it's like, why, you know, what are the qualities? Forgiveness, compassion, empathy, all those sort of things. Those things aren't born out of everybody being nice. Those qualities are born from a deep soul struggle to bring forth out of the darkness this powerful light that lives inside of us and to learn how to live in that truth and to honor the darkness from where it come from. So it would be like the seed growing up out of the earth and then cursing the earth and cursing the, its roots that, and, and the shell that it was in and everything that's actually nourishing it. You know, my memory... You know, there, there's a, a, a slogan in AA called those who forget are doomed to repeat. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we see some of that politically happening around the world right now. It's like, what? You know, those who forget are doomed to repeat. That's why we have history and her story. We need to remember, not dwell in it, mm -hmm. but remember and honor what has come so that we can move forward to next levels of consciousness. So this is a the PhD program of unconditional love is what my teachers taught me. It is. And, and, and so we get to come yeah. forth with the most sacred things in the universe here on this beautiful planet because of the opposite. Right, right. Oh, very well put. And, and that is so true. And so many traditions recognize um, the dual nature of creation because you need an opposite to mirror yes. back what you are without an opposite you don't know you don't have you don't you don't know what you are so um and that's very fundamental in buddhism as well is is the the concept of um dualism within samsara and so if you understand the dual nature within samsara and that you've been the good guy and the bad guy and all these different things um if you you do hypnotic meditation and go into your different lives within existence um you'll see that everybody's playing a role for the next best experience and they need to 
create that next best experience through that dual nature. So it's very advanced work that people don't necessarily understand because they really want to demonize the bad guy. They really want to demonize Mm -hmm. and box up um, quote, quote, bad people that do bad things. Um, In Buddhism, we just basically call it life lessons. And so how long does it take you to learn that lesson because you don't have to bottom out so far deeply, but some people do. So what does shamanism and breathwork say about um, demonizing and hating the quote, quote, bad guys in the, in the whole story? Well, again, well, one of the things that shamanism really brings forward uh, again is about the shadow and it's first, uh, you know, like pluck the moat from your own eye, own your own shadow first. Mm-hmm. You know, um, as one of the teachers told me a long time ago that, you know, you can hate the deed without hating the person doing it. You know, you can really disapprove of something without disapproving of the person, you know. And so that's not, you know, there we do have to be careful, I think, to go into what I call spiritual bypass. Mm-hmm. You know, and where we're just, like you said, uh, completely ignoring the shadow because, the longer we try to stay in the light and not work with the shadow, guess what gets bigger? Uh-huh. Because it creates the balance, right? Yep, yep. So, so the thing in shamanism is to acknowledge and to, to appreciate the shadow as well as the light. Right. And to da- learn to dance, we call it dancing with the shadow. And so one of the things you can do is you can look out in the world and you can see what you really despise, what you, you know, some right. person you're really projecting onto. Right, and then right. can you own your own fill in the blank of that, who that person's name is? I have one that really comes up in my mind right now out there, happens to be a politician. That's all I'm going to say, but it comes up for me. And when it does, I can go, okay, you know, what he is or, or what he isn't that sort of thing. But what is it that most annoys me about him? Yeah. What, what's in you? And then I can go like, oh my God, I have some of this in me. How can I be less like this? He's a perfect mirror for that for me. Mm. You know, how can, you know, um, I I like to tell one little quick story. And that is when my son was a little boy, he's a grown man. But when he was a little boy, he had a a teacher and he would come home every day and say, I can't go back into Miss Dugan's class. She's mean. She's horrible. She's awful. And so I said to him, I said, Casey, you know, and he says, I've got to get it out of there. I just have to get out. I can't do it anymore. Mm. I said, is she hitting you or anything like that? He said, no, but she's just tortures me and picks on me and so anyway I said you know if you can figure out what it is about her that you don't like Mm -hmm. and why you know I said I'll get you out of there so a few days went by and one day he was in bed he said mama mama and I came running in and he said mama I figured out what it is about Miss Dugan that drives me crazy you know he said I really see what I don't want to be like I don't want to be that miserable when I grow up she's miserable I don't want to be that kind of person I don't want to be walking around miserable and I said, okay. I said, so I'll help get you out of the class. He said, no, I'm going to stay because I'm learning a lot from her. And he stayed in mm-hmm. the class. And somehow something happened for him where all of a sudden he liked Mrs. Dugan. And all of a sudden she was treating him nice. And he's, you know, this is like he's like 10 years old. Yeah. And something yeah. completely changed. And what I know, he said, why did it change? I said, your lesson had been learned. Yes. Yes. The trigger is no longer there. Yeah. yeah. That's. That's a really, really good um, example because if there's something out there, whether it's a politician, whether it's a teacher, the, the bad guys are like the best teachers, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, 
if everybody was if everybody was kitty gloves and kissy kissies and you know everything's all goosey goosey everywhere then you would never grow because there's nothing to grow through yeah you know? um but exactly why it seems that it's uh we're so lucky to come to earth because we have that play that we can learn and we can grow as souls we talk about being spiritual beings mm -hmm. having an earth experience because you know to be in the the levels of consciousness that we don't necessarily have that friction and that pressure to grow as a soul with whereas when we can come to playing fields like earth we can have all of that to go to deeper and higher depths right right nicholas let me ask you a question this is a guy question um actually because i i, I get this in a lot of guys as um from guy clients and then from talking to different men that i interview on the podcast um i think that it is nature for men to be protective of their family, of their loved ones, um, of themselves. It's just, it's just a natural element is to be protective. And in the natural, just like for women, it's many times it's very natural to be nurturing. Um, it may be in our DNA, but that natural element to be protective um, and to kind of ward off or look for things that could be harmful to protect against also brings in a lot of um, possible paranoia about things. Um, so how, and, and oftentimes if men see something, it will trigger them. Um, and, and, and they will have so much charge and anger, almost to the point of hate anger towards somebody or some element or some concept that they, they see as um, threatening somehow mm. how can men uh deal with those triggers inside them when they come across um elements in society or elements around their children or anything else that immediately put them into that fight or fight or flight mentality yeah for me the first thing is the breath is mm -hmm. remembering to breathe and to slow down and I'll take your question. I hear that it's really for men. And for me, one of the things I love about shamanism and a lot of work that Carl Jung brought into our world, we bring into our work. Mm -hmm. And he talks about the anima and the animus. So for me, when you talk about that protective piece, I don't see that just as men, mm -hmm. more as the masculine and the women mm -hmm. and, and both carry that. So, right. you know, like, for example, in our relationship, Starwolf is definitely the protector and the one who is hypervigilant and always watching for anything that could pose a threat to the pack. Mm -hmm. And whereas I'm learning that, um, uh, Star Wolf has a very um, developed masculine. We talk a lot about Sekhmet, the Egyptian goddess who has a phallus and she carries mm -hmm. that masculine energy. Yeah. And yeah. so for me, what I'm learning is how to find balance with my anima and my animus, with my feminine and masculine within. I have a very developed feminine from my childhood and just naturally how I came into this world. Mm -hmm. And so I'm learning to grow my masculine up by having a really good example. Ironically, I didn't have much of a father figure growing up. I didn't have that positive masculinity in my life. And so I'm learning a lot of my positive masculinity from my wife, Starwolf. And so yeah. I bring this back to the culture. You know, um, when we look at our cultures, at our raising, at, when you even talk about um, a nurture and nature, 
it all depends about what we're born into circumstantially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and what the belief systems are that are around us. Right. And Strofe and I talk a lot about this, about how um, men and women have so much to learn from one another and how we can find a way to find this balance within through the breath and through doing work like what we're talking about, going into the family of origin, going into the shadow. And, you know, for you in this example, it could be mm-hmm. that the triggers of wanting to protect and that paranoia and um, needing to really show up in a fierce way. And for someone else, it could be something else. But it all really comes back to taking the time to breathe and to mm-hmm. go into the shadow of what is that trigger for us? Where is it coming from? And how do we own it ourselves? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well said. Yeah, triggers is something that I think everyone can um, recognize and then not just forget about it, but recognize it, take that breath work, take that moment to look within and go, what about me triggers this response to something or someone out there? What about me? And mm-hmm. when you recognize and address that and you remove that charge now they could exist and do whatever they want but it's not going to have any effect on you or your psyche well, or your where we come into boundaries as well so we teach mm-hmm. a lot about codependency in our work you know for us we look at codependency as being the roots of addiction and mm-hmm. that um in the program we will talk about you know that first we own it ourselves then we look at what's appropriate action if action is needed, how do we set clear and strong boundaries without necessarily needing to attack anybody, but making sure that we're holding that safe space for ourselves and for our tribe, like you were bringing up? Yeah, it's really, really good. And um, yeah, the topic of addiction is, is it goes so many different ways, but especially for not all healers are coming from traumatic um, backgrounds, but a lot of healers in a lot of different modalities come from a diverse background where there is a, a lot of different types of personal trauma that they had to overcome. And so for somebody out there right now who's looking into shamanism and breathwork and the different techniques that your modality offers in trying to get over and um, understand and make peace with their personal traumas in their life, so they can get to that healing place and maybe just live in a healing space for themselves and their family, or if they want to move forward and be a healer in some way, shape, or form, they could do that. What is your recommendation for people going through that right now? So there's an old adage that says, healer, heal thyself. And, you know, again, pluck the moat from your your own eye first, you know, Um, And a lot of people will go to school, perhaps, and, you know, and, um, and that seems like the logical course to become a physician or a hairstylist or whatever it might be to go and and to learn that, and then to bring that, you know, into the world. But in the days of old, in ancient times, people learned, um, you know, we have, we have records now, we know this, of how people learn, that people would notice the children and notice what they gravitated towards, where they were painting on the walls with their hands, mm-hmm. but, you know, or whether they were gathering herbs or whether they were beating on a drum or, you know, whatever it might be, or whether they were uh, particularly compassionate towards animals and those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So to develop people, you know, first of all, I would say, you know, we notice where people are. 
And we notice then just everyone, and this is a place of humility we all must, I think, need to come to, that everyone has been wounded, regardless of how wonderful your families have been. You know, everyone has an ancestry. Right. Everyone has a family of origin, and that's not just your parents. It's not just your grandparents. It's your great-grandparents and their great-great-grandparents. Definitely that influences and behaviors and even biochemical things are coming through to each right. person. Right. And then you have your culture of origin that you're in or your village or your town or whatever it might be. So we're multidimensional human beings just in right. this dimension, right? Right. And we have all these influences coming on in. So all of us have our addictions or if you don't want to call them that, if that's too much of a trigger for people to hear that word, you know, our sins is another, you know, thing, but that's another trigger, our uh, failing shortcomings or just the places where we could improve. How about that? Yeah. You know, and that we can, and I say to people, you know, are you who you want to be yet? Do you feel like you're finished? If not, then you probably want to get to know yourself better. We get to know each other, but how about getting to know yourself better and not just your ego and what you present in the world and the ego ideal. So explaining to people that they have a subconscious, that they have a supra conscious, mm-hmm. you know, because some people don't believe there's anything beyond this life. And then they have a breathwork experience and they go, Oh, they, because they have this different experience. Right. You know? right. So we work with all these different levels of consciousness and help people to try it. Like you talked about the defensiveness. I just want to speak into that for just a moment. Everyone, men and women both, but especially the older generation of men are definitely defensive. And sorry, guys mm-hmm. out there who aren't, you know, uh, but that's true. And there's a new generation of men and women that are not as defensive in that way. But everyone has mm-hmm. self-defense mechanisms that protect them from knowing more about their self to keep their life together. Because there's a part of us that knows when we begin to take it apart, things are going to come apart. Right, right. And I want to ask you. Yeah. I want to ask you. Yeah. Uh, right, and I want to ask you a question uh, about that that you bring up really quickly because Nicholas had had said this that you know in men and women there is both a feminine and a masculine nature, and even in women there is a masculine nature in women as well. And um, the old adage, whatever you want to label it as whether it's a 3d consciousness or old worldviews or whatever you want to label it um is that men are masculine and they're the macho guy and women are nurturing and mothering and they're the you know um the female and and so it's it's a very polarized like we know what one is but as you get into higher levels of awareness and you become more conscious of reality and of yourself you recognize that wait there needs to be a harmony in that masculine feminine inside you and um there was actually a a phd i can't remember the name at the university of washington here but she actually wrote a book about that because everybody has varying degrees in a scale of how masculine or how feminine that they are and it's just a balance now here's the question um the types of relationships are being redefined because women are making more money, men are making less money, depending on the occupation. Um, you may have families where um, they're switching roles because the job is much more family uh, flexible to the children's schedule. So maybe the the women will go into 
the workforce and the the man will stay home and kind of uh, balance his business or his career with taking care of the children. So a lot of these very polarizing roles of men and women are getting redefined. And I found this very commonly as well is the ego, especially in some of my men clients, the ego um, is very much wounded because it still thinks that it has to be the breadwinner. It has to be the macho, macho man. And if it's not the breadwinner, macho, macho man, that it's not doing its job as being the man in the group. So um, same thing with women. They, they have boxed themselves by the old paradigm of I have to be the female female where I'm the mother nurturing I stay at home but I want something more for myself I want to create something for myself besides just being a homemaker and a wife which is wonderful um, but maybe they want to explore uh, some other areas of interest in their career so a lot of these roles are getting mixed up and kind of tossed up and everybody's trying to find a healthy balance and feel good about themselves in that role so what so what I call this is I call it being fifth dimensional awareness because you see the balance in all of it. Um, and you're not subjugating yourself and your consciousness to a, a lower level. It has to be so polarizing. It has to be so boxed in. But um, as people get into this awareness um, of universal roles and acceptance of that and make peace with it, they are being challenged by older family members, by society, by whatever. So what do you two say about um, that push-pull between the roles of men and women in society? Because this comes up. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'll I'm go sorry. first. And I know you want to say something about this too, but what I was going to say is I think that um, it's important to, to look at this what you're talking about roles and that we we take on roles that's a normal and natural thing that we're you know we learn to do it's part of how society functions to have a role right okay what's your role what's your script but what happens what's your storyline yeah, what's yeah. your storyline right what's your storyline what is your story and what's happening is i believe is an awakening and this, you know, I call it the awakening of the shaman within, the one who can trap, because the shaman does this thing. It hops through dimensions, right? It's a time traveler, past, present, future. It goes into all worlds, the highest worlds, the lowest worlds. Yeah. And it sees all worlds as sacred. But yeah. it, it, it knows. It stays aware in consciousness, like, okay, I'm experiencing this right now. But I can also pop up here and get mm -hmm. the bigger picture and understand. Or I can drop into my heart and have tremendous empathy. Or if I need to pull up my anger and my power i you know and my <clears throat> my oomph i can do that mm -hmm. and all those like self-expression if i need to speak it can travel through all the chakras it can travel through all the dimensions you know and even the dimensions we don't know about so when we look at this what we're really looking at which you you've um, indicated and just said it a little bit different for me we're looking at the sacred marriage mm -hmm. we're looking at the sacred marriage not yep. only of the masculine and feminine but of all polar opposites all right. opposites and every time we bring an opposite together there's a marriage there's a sacred marriage there's a union and then it becomes both and instead of either or so this is important because before we awaken we're just in our roles right when we awaken all of a sudden we begin to see our sacred purpose our sacred purpose has to come down a few notches into this mm -hmm. dimension 
which I believe it is happening worldwide right now. And our roles have to rise up a bit to meet the sacred purpose. We have to get to a certain level of consciousness here in 3D and meet in the heart chakra. Mm-hmm. Meet in the heart. And when they make that, it's like a six-pointed star. Here's the upper, here's the lower. And when they come together, then it's the six-pointed star. That sacred marriage allows us to be walkers between the worlds. To remember, oh, and this, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a wife. I like being a wife. I'm a mm-hmm. mother, a grandmother. I'm, you know, I have my animals. I'm a teacher. These roles are all fine. But these roles are in service to my sacred purpose now. They're not just everyday ordinary living for me anymore i live the bigger picture in this moment here Mm -hmm. in this dimension yeah very well said uh nicholas did you have something you wanted to add to that yeah i love making peace with these roles yeah it's uh such a natural evolution that's happening in our conversation because as we were talking about our ship program this is the next step. First, we mm. go through family of origin and shadow. And then from the shadow and that reconciliation that happens within ourselves, we come to the inner beloved. Mm-hmm. And we look at the inner beloved before we look at the outer beloved, because that is where we're balancing the masculine and the feminine and where we're accepting those shadow aspects of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so when you talk about the roles, there's a reconciliation that's happening in our world right now that Starwolf and I are just so in love with it. And uh, we're actually starting to write on our book where we talk about our own, between right. our age differences, between the roles that we were brought up with, yeah. you know, Starwolf being really Starwolf in the world, holding this major transmission and me coming in and wanting to support Starwolf. I don't feel... And I feel this is a blessing of my generation from the work of the older generations that's been uh, slowly coming into consciousness. Mm -hmm. I don't feel at all um, any of those feelings you were talking about with the ego of like where I have to be bringing in more money than Starwolf is or that I have to be doing anything any more than Starwolf. There's a way in which we understand that we come together in partnership. Yeah. And that partnership means we each have strengths and we each have weaknesses, and it doesn't matter where on the spectrum of feminine, masculine, those strengths and weaknesses lie. Mm-hmm. It's more that we get to understand them and know them so that we can support one another in growing in our weaker points so that we can meet one another. Yeah. And well, as as, yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's basically like what I, what, that's what I would call a fifth dimensional relationship. Mm-hmm. Because um, a fifth dimension in Buddhism, a fifth dimensional awareness is one where you see the unity in all, and you work together towards the mission, and mm-hmm. you have the great time doing it. So, <laughs> continuing to box ourselves into these um, out of outdated roles makes it harder to move forward. Um, so, I, I I have children too. I have a uh, a six year old and a two year old, and um, I love the the role of mother and also the role of wife but however my husband you know when we had kids he's like I don't want to be one of those guys who just fly through the next 18 years not being part of my kids life because we did Mm -hmm. all this work we do all this work to make sure that we we provide a a happy home and lifestyle for them so I want to be part of it so I said that's fine you do laundry diapers and bath time (laughs) so (laughs) so he's like okay um and so he's he sees it not as a a chore um but he sees it as an opportunity that he 
gets to be a part of and the good ones, the bad baptisms, the good baptisms, all these other kind of things um, that are typically in some cultures or traditions like female roles, he, he, he's going to get the opportunity to look back at the childhood and be like, I was a part of all of that. I knew what that was like. I didn't miss out on any of it. I wasn't out there working. 50, 60 hours a week, and it was never part of my kid's life until I got home, spent two hours, and went to bed, which is the old role. Mm -hmm. And the new role, the new roles don't really fit within any boxes for any specific gender. And a lot of family Mm -hmm. dynamics are also not very nuclear as well, because you have um, lesbian and gay couples and trans gender couples and you know blended families I mean a lot of these family dynamics are um, kind of being tossed shaken up and tossed up and let's see where they all fall down because we're gonna have to redefine what what a healthy family is and what love looks like and how we uh, work with these elements in society and in ourselves to create that joyous human sacred experience that you guys are talking about um Okay, so now we get to the con- the topic of consciousness, and you guys have been touching on this, so I want to get some clarification from um, the the shamanism and the breathwork background. So there is a lot of discussion. Again, we're talking about boxes. Now we're going to start boxing in reality. Some people in the spiritual circles will say, no, we're in the third dimension. Oh, no, we're going to the fourth dimension. Oh, no, we're going to the fifth dimension. We're already in the fifth dimension. No, we're in the fourth density. No, we're in the third density. No, you know, all these different like labels. And in Buddhism, um, because it's a Buddhism podcast, so I relate some of it to Buddhism. In Buddhism, it's all about consciousness and your inner awareness of self. And from within your consciousness and your level of awareness, you create the world. You collapse the world and you destroy the world. And if you haven't had those experiences, look at your personal Mandela effects or parallel reality or shifts in your life to see that you are the one that is experiencing within your consciousness. So we don't spend so much time focusing on out there as being 3D, 4, 5, whatever it is because we're focusing on our level of consciousness to the level that we want to be um and then out there is just going to naturally match whatever we're emitting outwards so that's the buddhist understanding of it but um in your work you call it 5d shamanism and breath work so can you explain how that is seen as fifth dimensional in your work Yes. Well, first of all, I wanted to just say from everything you just said, yes. (laughs) (laughs) With about 20 exclamation marks. And, you know, we talk about different, different, you know, you part of teaching too is also knowing the language of the time and what language or speak people are speaking about. Mm -hmm. To me, um, we're, you know, we're pouring, as the old saying goes, wine into new wine sacks. You know, old right. wine, new wine sacks, where it's, you know, we, every generation redefines and has different words and, you know, creates the, the new, you know, the new paradigms that are mm-hmm. emer- emerging. Mm-hmm. But there are, in my world, there are not any new paradigms emerging. Everything yep. that's in existence has always been in existence. And Grandmother Twyla talked about it as the field of plenty. Mm. And I love this teaching. I, love and I think this will help help in the shamanic world. 
the field of plenty is the field. I think it's what she was speaking about was the quantum field. Yep. And that everything that is or ever will be is there, that mm-hmm. it exists. And it, you know, it, it expands and then it contracts and it expands and it contracts. And with each expansion, there's more consciousness to be had by more people, by more beings or whatever. So in the shamanic breathwork journeys, people go all over the place past lives they used to always do past lives suddenly one day more and more people started going into the future lives right yeah because the the consciousness changed on the planet yeah right there were more people open to that idea that we're time travelers and that we understand through science and through our own personal experiences that everything is right now in this always present now and the part of me that can look backward or forward or in the moment or up or down that is this is just a metaphor really but it's a word and words are powerful. The shaman is a multidimensional being that can travel to different places to the future to get answers for the past. Okay. Yeah. Or to the yeah. past to understand why the future is happening. But the point is, I believe, is to bring it all here as much as possible for bath time and diaper changing and (laughs) (laughs) you know and putting a good meal on the table and being kind to your neighbors and planting your garden and bringing something that will help benefit our lives in the here and now for the future generations and to learn to be a worthy ancestor ancestral memory in someone's dna you know so all this dimensional speaking about i appreciate it because it says to me that people are now aware at least of the other dimensions but to me in the shamanic world it's all one right and and it's just wherever which dimension that i'm reaching for and our minds do like to have diagrams and our minds do like to have levels and layers it's a way that the mind sometimes and the ego can feel a little bit safer Mm -hmm. a little bit a little bit more open and if it steps instead of all of a sudden this awareness because it's been said that if we all had you know, that kundalini spiritual aha awakening, we would all be insane. <laughs> That's true. Well, that goes back to the defense mechanisms true. of the yeah. ego, that its job is to keep us from going too far into the too unknown uh-huh. and into these other dimensions where we can't come back. That's essentially where the insanity is and the schizophrenic yeah. breaks. Yeah. Uh, personal experience. Yes. <laughs> that, that, and Nicholas, that's, that's why I always say that, um, I mean, whether people will have make peace with their ego and train their ego to be much more healthy in the experience, the life experience, or they, whether they decide in some point in the life experience or afterward to completely let go and surrender the ego and just be um, one with source. It's either or is perfectly fine. There is no right or wrong or better. They're just different. They're just different experiences and sources in everybody's. The source is experiencing all experiences um, equally. So that's a personal choice. But the thing about kind of having a spiritual crisis is I, I find this in my, in my um, private practice with hypnosis clients and six sense consultations with people who've already had their awakening. They're leveling up their energy field, um, doing a lot, a lot of these work on themselves. And Star, what you describe about being multidimensional, I always tell these clients, oh, you're being a 5D shaman in, in training, okay? Because one of their six senses 
is that they're trying to make sense of their reality where they may be watching a movie for the first time or a show for the first time with friends and family and recall exactly what's going to happen. Tell everybody what's going to happen. This just launched for the first time. And that's exactly what happened. And then they're stumped. How did I experience this already? And then experience it again and tell everybody what's going to happen. And everybody else around is stumped. How did you know that? Did you time travel and then come back and tell us this? So these, this is a sixth sense that's actually happening right now to people and it's giving them a spiritual crisis because reality mm-hmm. is playing with their ego and their consciousness and they don't know how to put it into a box that they can, you know, live with peacefully. So Star, when you teach... Um, this work do you have people coming to you with these unusual six senses about reality not being understandable yes <laughs> yeah. yeah this is the, this yeah. is the leading edge word it, it is because you yeah. know my back remember my background is in psychiatric mental health and addiction so i frequently worked on, on many you know many many years ago um, in a field that was mainly uh, prescribing medication for people. And I was a part of that, part of that uh, system. But I also being, you know, young and vulnerable and also feeling quite honestly that I was very close to being on the other side of that table mm-hmm. uh, myself, being that sensitive and open of my, my own things that were going on. Uh, I became very aware that the people I was working with were just one breath away from where I was. Uh You know, you know, and I felt like, quite frankly, from where everybody is. And so, you know, part of what um, when people come to us now, I could say most of the people who are drawn to us, whether they know it or not, they're on the edge. (laughs) Even if they're showing up every day, you know, in a Brooks Brothers suit or if they're, Uh you know. Uh, high tech with uh, Facebook. We've had people from, you know, who are in high tech with Facebook. They're on the verge. You know, yeah. we're, we're the people, who, we receive the people who are on the verge of breakthrough. People just don't show up in our lives, quite frankly, because they want to learn something new. They right. may say right. that. Their egos may say, oh, that shamanism thing, that looks interesting. What it really is, ding, 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 ding. You better get yourself to this shamanic program because you're getting ready to come unglued and you're needing to like go through this process. Mm-hmm. And you're going to need some people who've been through this to help hold you together so that they can help you understand that what you're going through is a shamanic ego death and rebirth and it's normal it's what every caterpillar goes through before it becomes a butterfly yep yep yeah yeah fifth dimensional awareness connection to source and i mean fifth dimensional awareness and multi-dimensionality of self is being present in um and understanding it all exists at the same time and if you understand and know that it all exists at the same time you will have experiences (laughs) <laughs> that are jumping timelines, jumping realities. And I, I have, I've done this with um, people who interview me on my books about Buddhism and consciousness and reality. And, and they're like, Vaughn, how come I read the books? How come my eyes turn from green to brown? And they've been like that for months now. They haven't changed. My whole family has green eyes. And I said, because you have shifted your consciousness in all your spiritual work to a level that ma- this is what matches 
Okay, so enjoy it while it lasts. It might last a long time and be permanent. It might go back to green. You never know. So, um, but it's still you. So love what you are in, in the moment and, and, and experience the best version of that moment. So you have to kind of like let go of um, boxing yourself and boxing society into certain labels because when yourself or when society completely changes certain elements um, than what you previously experienced, it's going to be um, kind of like a spiritual crisis for some people. Mm -hmm. Okay. I call it a spiritual emergency. And I want to give credit to the person who came up with that back in the uh, 70s was Christina Groff, who was married to, to Stan Groff of Holotropic Breathwork. She's no mm -hmm. longer with us on the planet. But she called it, and she even started a spiritual emergency network. Mm -hmm. Because when people were doing breath work, and as people were doing breath work, they were entering these other altered states and having experiences that they couldn't uh -huh. explain yep. and coming yep. back. And sometimes they would go into a spiritual emergency because it didn't meet their perceived reality. Right. And once we started normalizing the, the new states of consciousness, those spiritual emergencies begin to drop off because... It is, you know, anytime, even if you go from being a country person to New York City, it's frightening. It's intense. Yeah. yeah. So You're anytime not used to you it. change, yeah. you change something, there's that period of instability and like, what is, what's my touchstones? So if you can normalize the experience, which imagine that we have 50 people in the room. Well, for instance, we're going to be doing a, a virtual uh, Zoom breath work. We're here pretty soon mm. with probably 150 people with gathering of the shamans. And when all those people come in, there'll be a, a normalization and a, a, a sharing of the experience of what it uh, can be so that when people have that experience, there is a normal, a new normal that happens yeah. in the group yeah. consciousness. Yeah. I would liken it to, like, you remember that 80s um, TV series, Quantum Leap? Uh, uh, yeah, okay. So it's a scientist. Okay. He, he, he would time travel through a machine in different times. <laughs> and then he would have to adjust and ground himself to that reality until the next jump. And he had to kind of ground himself to the culture, the energy, the people, and um, so that he can kind of go through the experience um, unscathed. And so, you know, you had to be very open and also very flexible as a, as a mm -hmm. human being to be constantly jumping from one to another. And a lot of these people coming into their multidimensional 5D consciousness will constantly have to ground themselves, constantly have to kind of make peace with whatever transpired before. So they just, you know, just kind of ride through the wave, just ride through the wave. Okay, so let's switch focus. Let's talk about your the, the courses that you offer. Um, so obviously I'm Laotian and Laotian's, are Buddhists and they also respect the path of shamanism in Laos, which traces back to folklores of Mu or Lemuria. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, in olden days, when Lemurian giants roam Laos and Thailand and all Southeast Asia. So we have lots of folklores about um, ancient Lemurian um, civilizations and of giants um, that live there. So I study very shamanism from all the, over the world. And what makes your shamanism different from other shamanism? Is there like a unique aspect that yours offer? I would say that the shamanism that we're doing right now is Aquarian shamanism. This is a term that I created 
about 25 years ago, 25 to 30 years ago. And what I mean by that is that I believe that we are gathering from various cultures and from various uh, time periods, ancient wisdom. And also wisdom just didn't happen in the olden times. It's also happening now. I, hopefully there's some happening on this interview right now, you know, that there's new things coming through and that merging ancient wisdom with modern day consciousness, emerging consciousness. Mm -hmm. So it's a marriage and a union of that. So for me, rather than it being, you know, just, you know, uh, Seneca or Cherokee, or we, we're very deep into the Egyptian mysteries and we lead people to Egypt. The Egypt, I've written, co-authored three books on, on Egypt, you know, so um, the Egyptian mysteries, you know, we went to be with the white lions and I co-authored a book on, you know, the African mysteries. I just co-authored a book on the Peruvian mysteries. So we're very much uh, getting an education and we're also educators. So we're gathering the mystery schools, the best of what has been that has brought the world to where it is at this point that's available for us to discover and find not only in the hieroglyphics or standing on top of the, the pyramid of the sun at Teotihuacan, you know, um, you know, on solstice or those kinds of things, but also direct experience. And during the shamanic breathwork journeys that we offer people, not only studying the sacred text or things like this from different things and studies, which we really encourage people to do and to go into those in-depth studies but also and do their own research with it, but also as modern-day Aquarian shamans, okay, which I consider that's what you are as well, as these modern-day Aquarian shamans, we're the ones that are here now. Tag, we're it. Okay. Mm -hmm. Own it. <laughs> that's right. The ancestors are still here and they're around to support us. Yeah. But it's yeah. our time to be human. Yeah. It's our yeah. time to step forward as the new shamans, as the new Buddhas, as the new, you know, way showers. Mm -hmm. This is this is the time that was predicted is that humans would become more dimensional, multidimensional, right. and bring, as Christ said, heaven to earth, on earth mm -hmm. as it is in heaven. Mm -hmm. As above, so below. As within, so without. Yeah. So Comes in, this, outward. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So this is this is our time to do this. And so the what we're trying to do is bring shamanism into the zeitgeist right. as right. a as something that belongs to everyone now. And even my grandmother's twilight, my grandmother teacher, uh, she had said to me. Because I said, Grandmother, you seem to, you know, you, you're so eclectic and you're not just teaching just your people. Or she said, it's time for the Rainbow Nations. There's going to be a difficult time that comes on this planet. And you're all going to need all the help you can get. Mm -hmm. you need, everyone needs an awakening. Yeah, and it's going to be a lot of spiritual freakouts. <laughs> spiritual crisis 911. It's going to be, it's going to be like long wait list and waiting periods well you know aside from the um the zoom offerings that you guys offer as well for online study um the venus rising university does these fantastic mystery tours and events and eventually you guys will go back into that as well uh when we go back into that after the pandemics but you do these mystery tours all over the world and what are some of the events that people can look forward to in the near future do you have some that you have in the works yeah. you're planning so uh what you're talking about is we co-created the shamanic mystery tours together what Starf was just speaking about so 
what that is, is we have a group of like-minded, like-hearted people that come together. And the really nice thing about traveling with Venus Rising is it's a lot of tribe folks who have been with Star Wolf and Venus Rising and in the shamanic work for a long time will come mm. back into these trips mm. and new folks will come in. So there's always a new blend. But the nice thing is there's um, a very much a wolf pack or a tribe energy where we travel together as a group. Mm. And that way we know that whatever we encounter and experience that we're doing it as a group and that can make the traveling all the more rich. And so we go to places like Star Wolf said, we've gone to South Africa, we've gone to Peru, we've gone to Egypt. And in fact, we were supposed to go to England, to Avalon mm -hmm. and to mm -hmm. Egypt last year yeah. and COVID hit. And so both of those trips are coming up towards the end of this year. And they both look very likely that we're full steam ahead at this moment where we're going to be taking folks to Egypt along with one of Star Wolf's co-authors, Vera Lopez. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm sorry, to Avalon. To, uh, Avalon. We're going to England in August where we'll be in ceremony at Stonehenge and we'll go into the Avalonian mysteries. Mm -hmm. And then we also have our trip to Egypt coming up in December. And now personally, of all the trips I've been on, Egypt is my favorite trip because how we do that is it's a very intimate trip. Right. We have um, a travel company who's like family for us and we take a private boat. Mm. It's called an Afendina. But and a vacation. It, oh, it's wonderful. Off so it can up. only hold Woo. 20 of them. So we limit the group to 20 folks. So start off myself, number. another leader and 17 other folks. And we get to sail on the Nile for about eight to nine days. We do shamanic breath work on the top of the sailboat <laughs> while we're sailing down the Nile. Do a little uh, healing circle. <laughs> oh, it's yeah. wonderful. Yeah. And so we get to go to the sacred sites. We get some privates where um, uh, we have a, a guide who's able to get my didgeridoo into the king's chamber, mm, into the great mm. pyramid. So we'll do some didgeridoo. Do you guys take turns going into the... Um... The healing, uh, yeah, into the, the sarcophagus, yeah, yeah, and, uh huh. It takes turns, yep. So, we do ceremony inside the pyramid and in between the sphinx's paws. And so, um, like Sarwolf was saying, the shamanic mystery tours for us is a way to connect to our roots of who we are, you know, who we where we come from in the stars, who we are here on the earth, all of the past, all of the future, and to bring it into this moment to bring that medicine to our world now yeah that that sounds like so much fun i mean everybody thinks that when you're taking you know these energy healing or shamanism or these kind of courses that it's just you know books cds online maybe in person but you guys are really you they're also exploring um sacred sites that actually have huge energy vortexes in them as well um you know, I would make one suggestion for a future mystery. Try the Plain of Jars in Laos. Okay. Mm. The Plain of Jars in Laos are there's um, thousands of these megalithic 15, 30 feet tall um, concrete jars that look like cups with lids on them just scattered all over. And the um, the folklore in the area was it was kind of like a Super Bowl party after they won a war of the giants oh, wow. in the area. Um, 
And if you look, go look at them, they're really, really fun. So they do a lot of tours on the plane of jars. So, um, and they're just like, they're just like a lot of fun. So, and then we'll have to stay in touch. Maybe we'll co-create a shamanic mystery tour together. Yeah. Yeah. And then you can go to Thailand and, and um, they have some um, artifacts of a, a giant is a skeleton that they found many years ago, a giant who died with a, like a big anaconda snake kind of wrapped around his body, but all it is is the bones is a real thing. It's a real giant. So we have evidence of an ancient giant civilization in Southeast Asia. <laughs> so it's and and so it's kind of fun if you're going to do a mystery tour about the mysteries of our ancient giant past. So um, okay, so let's go. I have a question because shamanism is really coming up in in the world from different places, and I wonder, does Venus rising have a code of ethics? Because there are shamans who lack a code of ethics and making everybody look bad. What do you want to say about those shamans that are? <laughs> well, first of all, I want to say bad shamans. <laughs> <laughs> you bad shamans, you. I'm not naming you know, any names. Uh, There's some in the public <laughs> eye right now. I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there is a shadow. There's always a shadow when you have... Uh, power levels and that's really important to own that and to acknowledge that and to be clear about that to be clean about that with your with you know what comes up for you and to discuss those kinds of things so one of the first things of course working in the mental health field working in the addiction field obviously there were always um you know i don't know if they called them code of ethics exactly but there were things you can do and things you can't do okay that sort of thing and you knew what that was so um, when I first created Venus Rising, just spontaneously, um, when it was in my mind and as I was visioning it and not sure what it was all going to be, I knew I was going to do this creation of shamanic breathwork I was creating at the time. But immediately, one of the first things I did was I wrote the shamanic, uh, you know, code of ethics. For the, the first thing you shaman. wrote. Yeah. One, of the, one of the first things I did even before, I mean, I was already out there doing breath work and doing various things, but I was doing it with other institutes and other um, leaders and things. So as I began to my own programs, one of the first things I did was I wrote that. And so if you go on actually to our website, you can actually see that this it's kind of a, a philosophy. It's a poster mm-hmm. and it goes through and it, and it's, um, it speaks about each thing that's uh, and it's poetic, but it speaks about it in very clear ways. So every time people graduate, either as a shamanic minister, which is level one of our training, or as a shamanic breathwork facilitator, which is level two, we read this code of ethics. And What's we ask level people, three? What's level three? Level three. Well, we do advanced training for people oh, okay. who want to come back and okay. want to deepen their, their body work skills or their music skills or their mm-hmm. art skills and legacy skills. So we've created a new program called Legacy Skills and Advanced Skills. So because people keep going deeper and deeper and deeper. Right. Um, it helps with their creativity. There's a lot of um, artists that go into a lot of these different modalities just to kind of help connect to that higher energy for their creativity. So mm-hmm. just to finish this particular topic, one of the first things I say to people is that you're going to be going into powerful altered states of consciousness. Mm-hmm. You're going to meet your inner demons, and maybe some of the people in the room will show up as your outer <laughs> demons, the shadows. Okay? <laughs> and, you know, I can say that metaphorically because that's just why I see it. But anyway, um, because it's all about us. But, oh. but also, what I would say to people is, this is really important to me. Because if you're here and learning from me how to be a shamanic facilitator and teacher in the world, please keep this first. 
always, always safety first, mm -hmm. transformation second. And then when they go, but you know, we need to shake people up and break them out of there. And I go, safety first, transformation second. The ego won't transform if it doesn't feel safe. If you don't create a safe container and a safe, sacred space, it will not. It can go psychotic, okay, or it can repress and run and hide, mm -hmm. but it will not be able to transform. And this is exactly why a baby has a womb to grow in or a caterpillar has a cocoon to grow in to become its future self. And it does that in a safe container. And if you are a shaman or a therapist or a counselor or a healer and you don't create a safe space for the people who come to you, mm -hmm. you're doing a disservice to the folks that come to you. Yeah. And you're also creating imbalance in your own energy field. And That's that right. imbalance that you create, uh, you're going to have to work. It's going to boomerang. That's right. It's gonna, you're going to have to work on it. So it, it's all about if energy. Nothing, if nothing else, CYA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is so important um, to have you know, because a lot of people kind of get into the spiritual space in whatever modality they come into. And it's really easy to get spiritual, what I call spiritual ego, spiritual ego, and use it as just another stepping stone platform in which to uplift your spiritual ego. Um, so but um, yeah, so it's kind of a slippery slope on that on, on that aspect. But you have to take if you do go in, get into this, you got to take your responsibilities um, for what you represent very seriously, because uh, when people follow your work and then they go down that rabbit hole with you and it is not um, very integrous, um, you also hold that in your energy field and is responsible for their part that you pulled them into so um really really constantly look at your mission statement okay last question so last question and if you have a message that both of you guys have for people what are your suggestions for people working on and is doing fifth dimensional work so what suggestions do you have people who are trying to build the fifth dimension society any last messages about that? Breathe. <laughs> I would say, first of all, trust the process. Trust the process and that even if it doesn't look like it in the world, things are unfolding as they should. There is something much smarter than all mm -hmm. of us. Yeah. You know, smarter, wiser, maybe cuter even. There's something much <laughs> bigger than all of us. And it's allowing us to play in the field of consciousness. Mm -hmm. It's allowing us to pretend to be grown-ups. Right. You know, it's allowing us. And let me just say this piece. One of, the, one of the initiations we teach when we teach family of origin, we talk about the your human family. Mm -hmm. But then we also talk about the tree of life. And that there's the family tree of your human family, but there's the tree of life of whether you come from aliens or another dimensions or wherever it is you're from, from these other dimensions, these higher dimensions, that that's your life too, that you are multidimensional, you are shamanic, and that while you're here, that it's important to remember you have a part to play that comes along with the soul purpose. You have to wake up mm -hmm. to even know that, but that you have a soul purpose and all you have to do 
is to do the healing you need to do for yourself mm-hmm. and your lineage and then see what your sacred purpose is that emerges and to trust that if it's your sacred purpose, it's your sacred purpose. You will be supported. And that if you create the safe container for yourself and for others, you'll be able to benefit yourself, your own karma, and the world around you. So take a big deep breath and relax and breathe into it and trust the process. What would you say, Nicholas? Mm-hmm. I'd say along with that, to let yourself trust your body and to listen to your heart especially and to find a co-journeyer, you know, whether that's a lover or a partner, uh, whatever that looks like. In the shamanic breathwork process, we have folks pair up where there's Mm. the person who's journeying and breathing and then there's the person who's co-journeying and who's holding space for the breather. And it's the same in sacred marriage where Starwolf and I are Mm. holding space for one another where I'm on my own personal journey while simultaneously holding space for Starwolf on her journey. And we co-journey together in that way. And the reason why I bring that up is because we are in these bodies and we are in this dimension, mm-hmm. to have that co-journeyer, one sets that sacred space at an even deeper level in the psyche and in the ego and the body where we're able to let go and to trust even more that somebody's there with us and that we're being witnessed in the work that we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then also there creates an intimacy where two or more are gathered that spirit can come in as the sacred third. And that's what I find in all Mm -hmm. areas of our life. Yeah, I love that. Great messages for everybody. Um, So if you're not really interested in all the other different games that are playing, you can play your own game and create the 5D right now in your own life so star and nicholas thank you again for adding another fascinating modality that people can use to learn um, and grow through so you they can learn their connection to source and to our beautiful planet earth through shamanic breath work and the different courses that you offer and so for more information about their offerings go to their website which is shamanic breathwork.org or you can just google venus university and you'll find it as well so thank you kindly to our listeners for listening to another enlightening conversation until Mm -hmm. next time thank you and blessings thank you (laughs) we hope you enjoyed this episode of merkaba chakras where we talk Buddhism in the fifth dimension. For more information about today's guest, please go to the show description. For more information about Vaughn's metaphysical work, please go to MerkabaChakras.com. The views expressed today are for entertainment purposes and do not necessarily reflect the views of the host or replace any medical or legal advice. Don't forget to subscribe for more interviews about the fifth dimension. Until we meet again, blessings.